Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, Arizona, and coming soon to Louisiana. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $10, and get $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use the promo code SGP for your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you in part by Stable Duel. Stable Duel is the horse racing DFS app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $15,000 with a single entry. Head over to StableDuel.com to get started today. We're also brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has a $100,000 guaranteed contest for the big game, plus 100% instant deposit match at thrivefantasy.com, promo code SGP. We're also brought to you in part by Betor Fantasy. Betor Fantasy is a free-to-play app that lets you bet on all your favorite NFL player props for a chance to win awesome prizes. Download the app today over at betorfantasy.com slash SGPN. And we're also brought to you in part by the SGPN app. Just enter SGPN in the App Store or the Google Play Store to download it today. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, welcome in, everybody, as we have flipped the calendar over to February, and that means we know the participants in Super Bowl 56. Get ready for the Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams, as for the second straight year, a team will play in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. It had never happened in 54 Super Bowls, and yet now it's happened two years in a row. My B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S, Go Bucks did it a year ago with Tom Brady and company. More on him in a minute. And the retirement. They win the Super Bowl over the Chiefs. And now it is the Rams at home at SoFi Stadium. Ready for Super Bowl 56 with the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously a first time ever Super Bowl matchup for those two teams as they get ready to play. What a comeback and upset for the Bengals as they win again. They never won a road playoff game. Now they beat Tennessee at Tennessee and then oust everybody's favorite, everybody's darling Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and the Rams finally, finally shook off the curse of the San Francisco 49ers, having beaten them six times in a row, twice this year. 49ers had to win in overtime at L.A. just to make the playoffs, and as it turns out, uh, it still fought tooth and nail with L.A. right down to the fourth quarter of the NFC title game. Uh, two fantastic games. Overtime win for Cincinnati, 
And then the last second win for the Rams with a late field goal and getting the stops. Incredible. Incredible to watch all of that unfold. Uh, All right, so we're ready to talk more about the Super Bowl and some college basketball. Uh, Welcome in. Again, however you found the show, social media link. If you found us through the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows, their website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. As always, we're here on Thursdays. The NFL season basically done. We already know the college football season done with Georgia, the national champs. The NFL season now basically done, so we're going to morph more into a college basketball uh, underdog prediction podcast as things roll through February and into the greatest month of the year, the month of March. You're going to be wanting to be right here for all the conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament, and all of it on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, Again, subscribe to this podcast. Follow us, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Come and find us here as part of Three Dog Thursday every week. We stay relevant through the weekend as best we can. We're going to be talking about a lot of college basketball games for Saturday, for example, uh, here. In addition to the recap of the conference championship games in the NFL, we're going to talk some college hoops and all the action with the likes of Kentucky playing Alabama. Oh, by the way, Duke in North Carolina, Gonzaga, BYU, all kinds of games on Saturday. So we try our best to stay relevant all the way through the weekend. And I'm also interested in the Thursday night college hoops game, UCLA, Arizona as well uh, with the Bruins as a road underdog. We're going to talk about that coming up. We're going to do so with a couple of guests. Straight ahead, Gary Seegers will be here. Love Gary's insight on the Winning Cures Everything show, podcast, YouTube show, uh, podcast, through all the podcast outlets and that website. They do a fantastic job, he and Chris Giannini, going back and forth on all things sports, primarily, though, the biggest ones, football, basketball, etc. Gary will have insight on the NFL playoffs. He'll have insight as well on the college hoops. I've got a lot to talk about with him. Looking forward to it. He's based in my hometown in the area of the Mid-South in Memphis. He's a big Alabama guy, though, as well. So I look forward to talking with Gary in just a few moments straight ahead. Then later in the program, you'll love the college hoops breakdown of Deshaun Tate, Tate's Take, Uh, That is the podcast. That is his Twitter handle, Tate's Take Hoops. Love his insight. Deshaun, based out of Atlanta, also part of 92.9 The Game, the FM all-sports radio station, is a hoops analyst on that station, especially in March. Uh, Knows the game inside and out. The college uh, uh, hoops. uh, Love his insight. So we're going to talk with him a little Big Ten, a little Gonzaga, a little Auburn. uh, This uh, North Carolina Duke game, the first of the two meetings uh, every year that they have in this rivalry. And of course, Coach K retiring the illustrious Hall of Fame legendary career. Final time in the Dean Dome for him. Coming on Saturday night, we'll talk with Deshaun about all of this. Uh, coming up straight ahead on the program. So stay tuned. Lots of conversation, lots of underdog conversation as well on the show. As you know by now, Tom Brady has hung him up after 22 years uh, with the New England Patriots and the last two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 22 total, just the greatest of all time. And you know my affiliation. You you listen to this podcast. You follow me on Twitter at Buck Sideline Guy, B-U-C at Buck Sideline Guy. You know my affiliation with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their radio broadcast, and the magical last two years. Uh, it, it has been wild, and just as easily as it came about in March of 2020, right at pandemic time, here it is in the first week in February of 2020. 22, two years later, that Tom Brady has hung him up. But, man, what a two years. Incredible Super Bowl win in the first year, winning four postseason games in a row, three of them on the road, and then the Super Bowl at home, as I already detailed. You're never going to forget this stuff. Uh, For the Bucs to win the Super Bowl at Raymond James Stadium and Tom Brady at the helm, uh, the, the exclamation point on a Hall of Fame career, 
and then comes back at 44 years of age, smashing record after record, 5,000 passing yards, 43 touchdowns, still playing at the highest level. Do I believe that Tom Brady could still physically play in 2022? Obviously. I was right there at field level for all of these games down the stretch of the season. He's still got it with the arm strength and the throws. It's incredible uh, at that age to contemplate what Brady is doing and the damage that he's doing and the wins. 24 regular season wins the last two years. They got a postseason win this year over Philadelphia. And honestly, it was not Brady's fault, the heroic comeback in the second half that the defense couldn't hold L.A. one more time and get him into overtime for a win, or the Buccaneers would have been hosting the NFC title game with the 49ers. And who knows if we're talking about a back-to-back now for the Super Bowl. But in any event, the career is done. Uh, There are some saying, and I don't disagree with it, maybe he should go immediately into the Hall of Fame. They should just make the exception and go ahead and put him in, in the new class right now for 2022 for later this calendar year. I understand that they have processes, but I mean, Wayne Gretzky went in immediately in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And uh, there's some belief um, that that should be the same thing with Brady because he is far beyond. I mean, there's a lot of greats. There's a lot of greats, whether you're talking about Terry Bradshaw winning four Super Bowls, move forward to Joe Montana winning four Super Bowls, uh, whether you're talking about Troy Aikman, Dan Marino breaking records, uh, on and on from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to to Drew Brees and all of the quarterbacks, Peyton Manning and Super Bowl champions and Russell Wilson in the present day. Brady's got far beyond any of them in terms of Super Bowl wins, all the records, the longevity. None of them were playing at this kind of level at age 42 and 43 and 44 and Super Bowl wins in his 40s over and over again. Uh, just incredible. And I will cherish this. It, it, was, uh, it was wild to watch. Buccaneer fans should be elated with the two years you got. Uh, New England should be grateful that Tom Brady didn't stick around for a third year to win some more while they're not winning anything, as has been the case the last two years, just to add to their misery. I know the Patriot fans have a 20-year run of what uh, Brady did with that body of work. It's unprecedented with one team. You're not going to see that again. With one team over 20 years to win six Super Bowls in 10 attempts, Uh, with them over those 20 years and and what they lost the AFC title game I think four other times uh, out of that in the 20 years it's incredible how often they were there around contending and winning the Super Bowl in New England and then he comes uh, to the Buccaneers and and they've they've just had the two best consecutive seasons in the history of the franchise yes they've put together longer strings of winning seasons but the bottom line is This was amazing for the last two years. A Super Bowl win in the first year, 13 wins the second year, and another playoff victory this year to get into the divisional round. And they may end up losing on a a heartbreaker to the team that ends up winning the Super Bowl. We'll talk more about the Super Bowl uh, next week. I know that uh, Gary Seegers is going to talk more about it here in a few minutes. I'll talk more about it next week, but I like the Rams in this spot at home. How do you go against them? I know Cincinnati rolling with the upsets, but I think the magic's going to run out. Anyway, if the Bucks end up losing in the playoffs to the eventual Super Bowl champs, there's no shame in that. What will the Buccaneers do? Will they make another splash move at quarterback with a trade or a free agency move? We'll see. Will they go with the young quarterback, Kyle Trask from Florida, who sat as the understudy and watched? This year with Tom Brady, I don't know what the Bucs are going to end up doing uh, for this season. We'll find out uh, soon enough in free agency here and with the draft upcoming. We'll see uh, what they end up doing. All right, so there's a lot to get to, again, with football on the field 
college hoops, some exciting games midweek. Again, Auburn looks like the real deal. What an atmosphere for Texas Tech and Texas all over the country again. I, I know there are fans of the NBA, but the NBA regular season cannot touch the college basketball regular season. And certainly the college basketball postseason, the dramatic one-and-done of the NCAA tournament, The NBA can't match the drama. They're trying with this whole play-in idea and single elimination stuff to match what the NCAA tournament has had, the magic that it's had for decades. But you look at these different games and these different matchups and the excitement and the drama, like what North Carolina Duke will be uh, this weekend or what that Gonzaga-BYU game will be uh, on Saturday night that we're going to talk with Deshaun Tate more about. You see what Kentucky did at Kansas last Saturday in the SEC uh, Big 12 Challenge. You watch Purdue beating uh, Ohio State uh, on Sunday on the weekend before the conference championship games. Uh, Again, in places like East Lansing, Michigan, Lawrence, Kansas, Syracuse, New York, Tucson, Arizona, Durham, North Carolina, Lexington, Kentucky, this is king. And we're all for it here on Three Dog Thursday and ready to get to it with more underdogs, the teams that are less thought of, the teams that aren't given as much chance, etc. We're ready for all the breakdown. Let's get to that uh, right now as my guests come along and join me. We'll do it right now as the program rolls on. Yes, as advertised, it has been a little too long since I have gotten to break bread verbally, figuratively with this man. I love the insight of my Winning Cures Everything brothers, both Gary Seekers and Chris Giannini do a great job with that show. Gary double dips as well on the Bet U.S. College football show, giving you all kinds of knowledge. A college football season that has seen Georgia return to prominence. Georgia! And uh, it was not Herschel Walker this time. No, it was Stetson Bennett and company that got it done. Gary Seegers is back aboard on Three Dog Thursday, as we now know the Super Bowl participants as well. And everybody, of course, had the L.A. Rams hosting the Super Bowl against the Cincinnati Bengals. I think we all had that. Gary, good to have you back aboard on Three Dog Thursday. How you been, my friend? I am wonderful. It is always a pleasure, my friend. Um, I love your insight. Again, along the same lines. How did Cincinnati pull this off? Not just winning at Tennessee, which we can kind of understand with Tannehill with the interceptions, low-scoring game, Derrick Henry just back from injury, but down 21-3 in the first half last week. How in the name of Houdini did they do that and get to Super Bowl 56? I need the insight, the wisdom, go. Here is the insight. Uh, You can only count on hero ball from a quarterback for so long. The stuff that Patrick Mahomes does and that he is known for He replicates it more than anybody else in the league, but you cannot count on those things to be sustainable over a long period of time. The Cincinnati defense is pretty good this year. They are very, very undervalued. I think they were number 11 in DVOA overall on the season. That's pretty good. That's upper third of the league. So I, I think the defense finally caught up there. And when you are an offense that relies on the sidearm throws and the guys to make plays for you, you're going to get caught eventually. You need to have both a good offense and a good defense. And don't get me wrong. The Chiefs defense actually played really, really well against that explosive offense from the Bengals. But again, when you rely on a quarterback to go crazy every game in order to get you wins, it's eventually going to call or catch up to you. That's it. Chris said it on, on Winning Cures multiple times. He said it is a numbers game. You right. cannot play like that every single week. 
So and you if you don't have the, the to your point, you look at the end of the first half and how nonchalant they were with one more score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, wasted opportunity. And we've now yes. had a few days, and I keep saying this, what was that at the end of the game where you've got a chance to basically kill the whole clock and score a touchdown to make the Cincinnati Bengals have to have a touchdown coming the other way in the final seconds to be down by four, touchdown, extra point puts you up by four. What was that at the, not just at the end of the half, but larger at the end of the game, go get the touchdown. What was he doing on the third down play back to the line of scrimmage with the circles, like the sandlot? What are we doing here in the AFC title game at home? To Hero ball. Hero ball. He has gotten accustomed to just making a play appear out of nowhere because he's got all those guys. When you have defenders that can actually guard Kelsey and, or at least when you have a scheme, that can take them out of the play. At yeah, least initially. Nothing. At least right. initially, right. So then you have to start running around, and you think that you can run around forever, and that, no, you're not going to drop the ball because you're Patrick Mahomes. No, you're not going to get caught in the backfield because you're Patrick Mahomes. You have to have set plays. You have to not just rely on making up something out of thin air. Eventually, it's going to catch up to you. That second-half performance by the Cincy defense, until that last drive, was a masterpiece. And then, of course, the way that that last drive ended in regulation was beautiful, absolutely beautiful for them because they allowed Patrick Mahomes to think that he was going to be the superstar, that he was going to make plays up out of nowhere, and and then it cost them. So they could not even get into field goal range up until that last drive yeah, in the Mahomes second Mahomes threw two interceptions, by the way, in overtime. Eli Apple dropped the first one, which likely would have been a pick six walk-off, and then he did throw the second one on kind of the heave downfield. You just you can't say enough about the job, obviously, that Cincinnati did. Uh, as we talk with Gary Seegers here, and hey, I love by his the way, yeah. before we move off of that, Cincinnati's defense, the last two games, they have had four interceptions off of deflected passes. Now, one, there is something to be said about creating your own luck. But there is still that word there, right? There is still luck involved when you have four interceptions off of deflected passes. It's This game is really funny, and the ball is oblong and bounces weird ways. I don't know that this Bengals run can be replicated the way that they did it this time, mm -hmm. but they are still a really, really good team. And, I mean, who knows? I understand they're going to L.A. to play off uh, against... You know, LA's team. I guess they're LA's team. I don't think the Chargers have the. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It kind of looked like San Francisco's yeah. team in their own stadium on Sunday for some of this. But you're right. They may have a puncher's chance. Let's go back to that with the Bengals as we talk with Gary Seegers here, Winning Cures Everything. Uh, the show, you find it on YouTube, uh, social media, winningcureseverything.com. I love his insight on Three Dog Thursday. Joe Burrow. Uh, and that offense and, and coming of age off an ACL injury, let us not forget from a year ago, uh, with a coaching staff that may have been 75% out the door fired if they didn't come back and have a strong season, if not 80 or 90% fired, if they don't have a strong season coming back with Burrow. Tell me what you saw. You watched him in the SEC. We're slanted. We're in the South. We watched him in the SEC. Now it is translated to the Bengals and the NFL. What about Burrow and how good this has been for Cincinnati remarkably? Obviously, you know, Chris, that I do Winning Cures Everything with is a huge LSU fan. But the the glow up for Joe Burrow from what, what he was when he arrived at LSU to what he became that last season and then heading into the NFL, I don't know that I've ever seen anything like this. This Bengals team 
has taken on the persona of him. He is the leader of that entire team. Everybody loves him. And I, I do think there's something about this. We talked on our show about how this may be the most likable uh, quarterback matchup that we've had in the Super Bowl. There's not really a villain between Matt Stafford and, and Joe Burrow. I don't know that Joe Burrow likes the fact that he is still considered the underdog, even with all the playoff wins, even with the number one pick, even with the national championship, all that. Now he's made a Super Bowl in his second season, and it's not built on you know a foundational defense the way that Ben Roethlisberger's was when he came in, or or Russell Wilson's, right? Where you just don't need the quarterback to screw up. They need the quarterback to play really well, and the defense is fairly average. I mean, a little better than uh, than pedestrian. But they all make plays off of each other, and they're all kind of cocky, and it plays well. The, the media absolutely loves it. The national narrative is that this is kind of America's team going into the Super Bowl. Everybody likes the underdog role. I don't know that Joe Burrow necessarily <laughs> likes that. I think that he wants people to, uh, to fear him, and, and they don't. They should because he's terrifying. I mean, he is a, a surgeon back there. But mm -hmm. it's, it's very interesting to, to see the way that this has gone. That hit that he took in the UCF bowl game, when he got knocked down, when he threw an interception, mm -hmm. since that play, he has been almost unstoppable. I mean, it's been remarkable to so watch. You're going, yeah, you're going back yeah. uh, the year before the national title win, and yes. they, they rallied and won that Fiesta Bowl and never looked back and never lost a game, correct, the following correct. year. Then he goes to Cincinnati, though, and he has an awful team around him. They have an awful season, and he gets injured. And we're wondering about all this. Again, it's only it's worth repeating. It's only the third time in the history of the Super Bowl era of the NFL that a team won two games, and then two years later, that's pre-Burrow, two years later, they're in the Super Bowl. The last time it happened is Joe Montana, maybe a little before Gary's time, Joe Montana, 81-49ers, after a two-win season two years earlier, went to the Super Bowl and beat the Cincinnati Bengals and won the whole thing for oh, what yes. it's worth. That's, that's high company, though, to be in with Joe Montana. Um, it's, it, on, it, Joe, uh, Joe Namath, Joe Montana, uh, Super Bowl Joes have fared fairly well. <laughs> I mean, I like that. You know, <laughs> I like that. All right. So at the risk of being too much of a love fest for Burrow, let's give credit to the Rams. As much as I begrudgingly have to do this, you know where my allegiance lies with the Buccaneers and the Rams. You talk about luck or escaping by the hair on the chinny chin chin or whatever you want to call it. I mean, they were in full free fall, Gary. My line is they yeah. stepped. I always use this line. They stepped down the empty elevator shaft with no elevator there. They were in free fall. <laughs> Up 27-3, then it's 27-13, then it's 27-20 on the bomb to Mike Evans right in front of me. Then they they get the strip, fumble the Bucks. Raymond James Stadium is is berserk, as loud as I've ever heard it, ever. Uh, they get the touchdown, and I'm thinking this is like the Mahomes situation in the Buffalo game later that night. Just get him the ball one more time. It doesn't happen. The Rams make the great play to Cooper Cup. They kick the field goal. And then it's a back-and-forth game with San Francisco when they win. There's something to be said for the job the Rams have done to finish this off and get into the Super Bowl when they could have been out in the Buccaneer game back the week before. Oh, so yes. say something about what you saw. Uh, with this Rams team, I still think that they, they are sloppy, right? And that's uh, something to be concerned about going into. Now, if the, if the 49ers had any semblance of an offense that could be trusted – I think the 49ers win that game. Remember, they were up 17-7 to going into the fourth quarter. But you cannot trust Jimmy G. They got into uh, the, the Rams' side of the field multiple times. 
and couldn't do anything with the ball. And then on fourth and two late in that game, they decide to punt the ball instead of try and make a play. I understand you're only up by three and you've trusted your defense more than your offense. And, and we get that because we saw it play out. But eventually, you are going to have to make a play on offense, which is why I don't believe Jimmy G will be back with the 49ers. Right. But as far as the Rams go, think about that to be in two completely different situations. You're down by 10 in the fourth quarter and have to make a comeback. And then the week before, you were up by 24 points and had to hold off a comeback. Right. right. <laughs> so it's two completely different things. This team is very top heavy as far as their roster goes. But it, obviously, the coaching is there. Defense, still really good. The front seven is terrifying, especially for a Bengals offensive line that mm-hmm. is not great. But uh, this Rams team with Matt Stafford, you could tell even last season, if they had a good quarterback, they are going to be a, a force to be reckoned with. They're going to be ridiculous. If you can find a way to get into Stafford's head, then yeah, the Bengals have a real, real shot at this. I think the line is currently set at four. I don't know that I'm ready to make a pick yet. If I had to pick one today, I would probably go with the Bengals because I feel like I can trust them more. Mm. But but this Rams team is incredibly talented, especially upper. I was game. shocked. I know it's a Super Bowl, but yeah. this is their home game. I was shocked that it wasn't a touchdown when it opened, six or seven. <laughs> so that surprised me. You you know more. I trust the handicapping angles of guys like you and others. It just surprised me that it wasn't more than that with it being a home game for the L.A. Rams. Uh, not just to be the favorite, but be in their own home stadium. And again, we don't know. We suspect the Ram fans will have most of the tickets, more so than the Cincinnati fans. Uh, we'll find out on on uh, on that point. But again, I saw that what you're talking about with that pass rush with Aaron Donald, with with Vaughn Miller, who they again give Les Need a ton of credit. The GM going all in here. The Rams don't have much of a future from draft pick standpoint. Oh, no. And the salary cap's going to be a mess because they gave away a bunch of premium number ones, number twos to go get their hands on Stafford, get their hands on Vaughn Miller. What are they going to do with Odell Beckham? They gave him a bunch of money, but he can be a free agent. Vaughn Miller can be a free agent. But Vaughn Miller on one side with moving Donald around and using him in the middle, it is going to terrorize Cincinnati. It did so with the Buccaneers. It did so with Garoppolo at the end of that game. In the final two or three drives, he didn't have time oh, yeah. to throw because they can get the pressure all over him. So, but by the way, was that, that, was that the worst interception you have ever seen in your life? Okay, you're talking to someone, great line, who's watched Jameis Winston do things like that That's for true. the Buccaneers from the sideline and stand there and go, my God, what is he doing? How about right. in a, a situation as big look- Yes, it does look like that. But remember, in the Monday uh, playoff game with the Cardinals, Kyler Murray did a similar thing in the the same same stadium, almost in the same spot as Garoppolo from the end zone with what are you doing at the end of the half? Just take the safety. Take the safety. Two is better than seven in that instance. So I saw some unexplainable moves and throws from Jameis Winston, and there have been a couple others, but you're right. That was horrific at the end of that game to close them out with so much pressure on him. So again, give the Rams uh, credit. How much credit do we give Sean McVay uh, here too? Because Cooper cup is fantastic, but he keeps designing ways to get that guy open in formations and sets and looks and things they're doing. He keeps dialing it up here. Does he not Gary? Uh, you can't help but give him credit and, and don't get me wrong. He obviously has an incredible roster, but an incredible roster doesn't mean anything if you don't have the guys in the right spots, right? You can always game plan to take somebody out, but when you've got so many guys that are available and you still get the leading receiver open all the time, 
that's bananas to me. Uh, what he does on the offensive side of the ball is just groundbreaking kind of stuff. Uh, this is his second Super Bowl appearance in what four years or five years as a coach. Mm-hmm. He's thirty six years old. I mean, right. it's it is unbelievable. So I'm uh I'm interested to see what it will be like with you know this this franchise as they go forward when they don't have as much capital when they don't have these kind of players because they will lose some. You brought up OBJ, Odell Beckham will. I would imagine be gone unless they can right. find a way to shore up cap space because they're they don't have they're not going to yeah. have the cap space to pay him a big contract. No, they I paid think their bigger priority is Vaughn Miller. Yeah, and, and their and yeah. the big bigger priority is Vaughn Miller. And how do you get both of them in there? If you can get both of them in there, it's a good point uh, that you make. But uh, again, give give LA uh, a bunch of credit. And again, I was going to say too that Zach Martin, the other coach. Uh, is a disciple of Sean McVay here in the Super Bowl. So allow that to marinate and have that subplot going uh, for a while here at the end of at the end of the road here, and the Bengals get back in, and it's a McVay disciple. Um, Which, how crazy, by the way, Zach Taylor was one of the the very few on the short list of coaches that were expected to be first ones fired right. to start this season. And forgive me, now I may have said Zach school. Martin. Thank you for the pickup, Zach yep. Taylor. As I said, they were maybe. 75 or 80 percent fired if they weren't good if not great this year oh yes and yet here they are in the super bowl and maybe that's a lesson too on sticking with somebody through a third year or a fourth year to see it through as opposed to pull the ejection handle after year two or whatnot all right we got a roll and you do as well here in a few moments i i plenty of time to talk about the super bowl gary and chris will have all the angles will gary make that underdog play on cincinnati worth noting the underdogs have cleaned up in the wild card round the divisional round and now in the two championship games with both of them covering cincinnati winning outright will it be the Bengals as a cover if not a win in the super bowl check them out on winning cures before you are gone a little college basketball again we are slanted towards the south the sec etc you're an alabama guy you're based in the mid-south in memphis i am going to get to the memphis tigers my alma mater here in a moment But Alabama at the time we're talking got pole axed, as I like to say, at Auburn, a sweep for Auburn. Go figure the tide. I mean, they have had some wins with Houston, a neutral floor, quote unquote, neutral floor in Seattle over Gonzaga, by the way, that Alabama won. But then they turn around and lose games like to Georgia, lose a game to Missouri. Then they beat Baylor at home. And now Auburn has beaten them twice. Just on the surface, first of all, what's going on with Alabama? Just not good enough defensively. They gave up a, yes. a hundy, a hundy to Auburn on Tuesday yes. night. Gary, give me more. Give me more. That is that's the key there. Uh, they are not good enough defensively, and it is very much an effort thing with this team. Also, they don't play well on the road for whatever reason. Uh, they are one in five or one in six now uh, on the road. That is definitely not great. And of course, the one win is basically at Gonzaga. Like right. it's just ridiculous. So that doesn't make a ton of sense, but this team is still relatively young. They've got some key pieces from last season, but their, their best defenders all graduated and went off to the NBA. So it, when you lose your best defenders, obviously that's a big thing, but Nate Oates, he's got bulldogs on this team, but they are good enough to be able to get hot at any point. And with the amount of, I think they shoot 46% uh, three pointers. Again, that's now obviously they're one of the worst three point shooting teams in the country. So if they're hot, then it is incredibly difficult to beat them. If they're not, they used to still be able to beat you with just playing good defense. But with the tempo and everything, you're still getting guys acclimated to the system. And I understand that we are now in February, but I I don't 
think that Alabama is, you know, a top tier team this year, but they are talented enough to be able to play with anybody. They are going to be a very difficult follow in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. Explosive, no doubt. Give me a quick opinion, begrudgingly. Auburn, is that a final? It looks like it. I mean, they've won 18 games in a row at the time we're taping this. Is that a Final Four-worthy program that we've now seen uh, battle-tested in several of these situations? What do you think, real quick? They are a beautiful, beautifully constructed roster. It is with Walker Kessler, and they got the guards, and they got the guys that can actually defend, and they can shoot. And everything about this team is – this is – the quintessential perfect roster for a Bruce Pearl team. Absolutely perfect. Now, we've all seen March Madness. There's craziness that happens. But this team is as dominant of an SEC team as I've ever seen outside of a Kentucky team, right? I don't know that I've ever seen one that plays as well on both sides of the court as this one does. They are unbelievable, and they are especially unbelievable at home. Now, when you go on the road, it's a, it's a little bit of a different story. Remember this same Auburn sure. team? That was very, very close to losing at Missouri just a week only, ago. Only one by one. Good point. Exactly. Yes. So and there are still opportunities for them to lose, but yes, this is a Final Four ready roster. Now, it probably won't be next year because they will have multiple guys go in the NBA draft, but there's no, there's nothing that shows us that Bruce Pearl can't do this year in and year out with the transfer portal, with the recruiting, et cetera. He has built a powerhouse in Auburn. No doubt. A couple more minutes. Gary Seegers here with me on Three Dog Thursday, part of the Winning Cures Everything podcast. We're talking a little SEC basketball. So for Kentucky, that was a a phenomenal performance at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Again, at the time that Gary and I are taping, we don't know the result of the Vanderbilt game. We believe they're going to wipe them out. That sets up Kentucky to play Alabama which I know Gary's rolling his eyes at it, but hey, that that one is uh, that one is back in the Plaid Palace, back in Tuscaloosa. Who knows how much Alabama gets up for that game Saturday night. But Kentucky, again, looks like Kentucky. So not just the SEC race and the SEC tournament, but Kentucky trying to get into the NCAA tournament. If Remember, they weren't even in the NCAA, in the NCAA tournament last year. They had a losing record. Kentucky looks like Kentucky from what I see. What do you see real quick? I see Oscar Sheboy. I He is un freaking believable like this guy is and the rest of the team needs him right and it's not just a numbers thing it is an attitude situation the entire team takes on his much like I talked about the Bengals taking on the persona of Joe Burrow that's what this Wildcats team does with Ty Ty Washington and with Oscar Shibway those two are required for Kentucky to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament they are capable of winning a national championship if both of those guys are there now, obviously, there's other key pieces and whatnot. We get that. But those are the two main ones. And, yes, they could go into Alabama and beat them by 20. They could go in anywhere and win, so long as they got those two guys. We saw what it was like when they didn't have one of them when they went to Auburn. At, you're up by nine, you lose one, and then you lose by nine. It's, it's a whole different thing. But, yes, this is the Kentucky team that we are used to, not last year's version. This one is the perfect combination of experience and talent. They are. This is a wonderfully coached team. And again, an incredibly constructed roster, much the same as Auburn. These two are final four contenders. Like it would not shock me to see both of them maybe in the national title game. Mm. All right. We'll see what happens with that. All right. You know where my allegiance lies as a, as an alum of the former Memphis state university, you are there working in and around the U of M 
All right. Uh, Penny Hardaway. I mean, such I don't have enough time. It's a polarizing situation. They've underachieved. They're now, as we release the podcast on Three Dog Thursday, about to play Cincinnati on Thursday night. Just quickly, I don't think they have a, an at-large case at all. But can Memphis right the ship somewhat here? They've begun to with a win at Tulsa. They blasted East Carolina last week. They've had a week off. Can they right the ship some and be respectable at the end of the year? Quick take, please, Mr. Winning Cures, before you're gone. Yes, they absolutely can. If they get their guys back healthy, you get Landers Nolly back, you get uh, everybody else that you need, right? Uh, make sure that Jalen Duran is is playing as well as he possibly can. Uh, get Imani Bates back involved. Like, he wasn't ready at the beginning of the season. He's kind of come on a little bit as of late. He's had a little more opportunity to play because of the injuries and whatnot. You get all these guys, and you make sure that the chemistry is right. The chemistry was definitely not right at the beginning of the season. But this team is talented enough to be able to go and win the AAC tournament. Uh, Houston has been great, right? Right. But Memphis is a more talented roster. Like we saw it last year, Memphis was much more talented than Houston, even though Houston was a Final Four team. And they mm -hmm. played them to within a one-point or a one-possession game two times in March. At Memphis could absolutely win the AAC tournament. Do I expect them to? No, because much like Alabama, anything can happen with this team. They are so streaky and so... Uh, inconsistent. That's the thing that, that troubles me is you've got a really young team, but you've also got that experience and that should be a good combination. And it just hasn't been, they haven't been able to make it work yet, but they, they seem to be coming along. If they can get everybody kind of keyed back in. Yes, absolutely. They can, they can beat just about anybody in the country. Very interesting spot at Cincinnati. Revenge game for Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not what they have always been. Let's see. Then on Saturday, revenge game against UCF, where they lost in Orlando earlier in the year. We'll know a lot more about how hard does Penny Hardaway's team play, how well do they play. We'll know a lot more about them after, after the Thursday night and Saturday games, obviously, on if they have a pulse for March or not. <laughs> We will find out. And it pains me because I was there with Penny Hardaway at Memphis State before it was the University of Memphis. There is nobody with a bigger allegiance or in his corner than I am, but this thing has gone sideways and it's largely on him for the roster he built and not being able to coach him up and blah, blah, blah. Let's see if they can pull it together. I know this. This man does a fantastic job. Gary Seegers, promote away on how they find all your content with Chris Giannini, everything going on. Uh, right now, as we head towards March and college basketball, football offseason, all of it, go. Oh, yes. Uh, you can find everything about us over at winningcureseverything.com or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Just search out Winning Cures Everything. Also, uh, the entire offseason, you know, March Madness, NBA Finals, uh, on into the fall, etc. I am going to be hosting over at betustv.com. Ton of great insight on sports betting, etc. We're going to have a bunch of different experts and whatnot. While the college football show is not... Uh, as active, I'll right. be doing a lot of other sports gambling stuff over there. So betustv.com and winningcureseverything.com. Love this man. Love he and Chris Giannini. They are my brothers uh, here in the uh, in the sports and the picks and the handicapping world. Uh, continued success with everything you're doing. Thank you for the time. Popping on Three Dog Thursday as always. I look forward to talking to you again in the merry month of March, if not before, when all the madness and the mayhem is going on. Continue to knock them dead, Gary Seegers. Thank you. <laughs> Most certainly. It is always a pleasure. I appreciate you having me. There we go. Love his insight again with winningcureseverything.com. And Gary will be back again as we roll back around towards the month of March, etc. Uh, he and Chris Giannini do a fantastic job with their show and their platforms on YouTube and social media. 
uh, with all of their programming. Uh, still to come here on Three Dog Thursday, my man Deshaun Tate. Ready for some more college basketball talk? I want to delve into UCLA, Arizona on this Three Dog Thursday. Again, if you're listening later afterwards, you already know how good that game was or wasn't for the Bruins and Arizona coming up Thursday night. But some weekend Saturday games to get to uh, as well, including the likes of Duke, Carolina, and Gonzaga, BYU. Deshaun Tate coming up. I hear Tate's Take Hoops will be on the program on Three Dog Thursday as we rock on shortly. Are you ready to win money and boost your odds? Well, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Tennessee, New Jersey, and Virginia. And we're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play with exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, sports, all of it, from the NBA to the NFL winding down to the NHL, golf starting up, MMA, WNBA, college basketball, and more. And WinBet is now beginning pre-registration for the state of Louisiana. Place a $10 bet, and regardless of the outcome, you'll get $250 in free bets when WinBet goes live in Louisiana. All other new customers, you have a chance to get $200 in free bets with that same $10 bet. Great promos, odds, payouts, everything happening right now at WinBet. For boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, we have what you need to win. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com. Hey, we're also brought to you in part by Stable Duel. There are never enough things to gamble on, and one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. And the best part is now there's a new way to play the ponies, especially if you're brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, a daily fantasy-style app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $15,000 with one entry. And this Saturday, they even have a $40,000 contest. If you don't know anything about horses, not to worry. The app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app is free to download at StableDuel.com. Multiple games are offered each day. Free games weekly at all tracks all over the United States. Get the app, create the account, start building your stable today. Invite your friends to play against you or play against other stables. You can even follow them on the app and compare your own stats to theirs. Download it now, StableDuel.com, and see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in the winner's circle. Play, race, win with Stable Duel. And we're brought to you in part by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. If you're not using PropSwap, you're just missing out. PropSwap is America's number one app to buy and sell those sports bets, and you can find the best odds in the country because you're buying directly from other bettors. Use our promo code SGP, and your first deposit from PropSwap will be doubled up to $500. Double the cash means double the odds. And if you love sports betting, you need to be using PropSwap. Sellers across the country list their bets for sale and thousands of buyers visit PropSwap every day to find the best odds on futures, props, and parlays. January was PropSwap's biggest month ever as bettors from all across the country cashed their Super Bowl futures like Jamie from New York, who sold a $100 25-to-1 Bengals ticket for the Super Bowl for a 1000 bucks. The buyer got great odds, and Jamie made 10 times the money that he bet on that futures bet on Cincinnati.
The average prop swapper makes $500 a month just buying and selling sports bets through PropSwap. Get started today by going to PropSwap.com or just download the app in the Google Play or the Apple Store. PropSwap, it's where America buys and sells sports bets. And we're brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. You want to come prop up on Thrive Fantasy for the big game. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and esports app for prop players and with thrive you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact in the games choose 10 of the 20 available players build your props build your lineup and get ready for the Bengals and the rams in that biggest game each prop is assigned a fantasy value both the over and the under on how likely it is to hit And if you hit the most props and rack up the most points, you win your share of the prize pool. And Thrive has a $100,000 guaranteed contest for the big game that's just $25 to enter. And first place is going to take home $20,000. Use our promo code SGP when you sign up and you get a 100% instant first deposit match up to a hundred bucks. If you deposit ten or more, you receive the match plus two free one hundred thousand dollar contest entries. Just download the Thrive Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store and visit their website at thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. Thrivefantasy.com promo code SGP. And we're brought to you in part by Betor Fantasy. The fantasy season may be over, but the action is still coming on Betor Fantasy and their app. Download the free-to-play app today, bet on player props for the NFL playoffs, and you can enter their player prop pools and score big when you win. We love Betor Fantasy because we can win awesome prizes and even raise some money for charity along the way. It's totally free-to-play. You earn better credits by competing in challenges and use them to place your bets. Betor Fantasy, available worldwide and in all 50 states. Download the app, Betor, B-E-T-T-O-R, fantasy.com, slash S-G-P-N. Better Fantasy, betterfantasy.com, slash S-G-P-N. And a reminder, the SGPN app is right there live now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. This app gives you easy access to all of our picks, all of our podcasts, everything in the content from the SGPN family of shows and everything that's going on on the app. Don't forget, give us an app review. Download the SGPN app today in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Look for us. It's the SGPN app. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We are back in. We're kind of in the lull right now before Super Bowl 56 with the Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. As I keep making mention, though, this is morphing more into a college basketball podcast as we come down the stretch run of the college basketball season into the greatest month of the year. And I'm not just saying that because I was born in the month of March. You don't care about that. You care about March Madness, and we're going to be there before you know it. And to help me decipher it, he will be here on more than one occasion down the stretch of things, is Deshaun Tate. I love the man's insight based out of the Atlanta area with Tate's Take uh, being his title, uh, Tate's Take, the podcast, all things college hoops, sprinkle in some Atlanta Hawks and some NBA. Deshaun Tate back aboard on Three Dog Thursday. All is right with the with my basketball universe. 
right about now. How you feeling, my friend? I'm outstanding. Thanks for having me, TJ. I keep teasing and telling people only one more game left uh, of what I like to call that football stuff on the gridiron, that pigskin stuff. And then we're going to get to the real stuff as we get a little bit closer to March. The the most, you know, highly anticipated, uh, 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 you know, the, the buzzer beaters, the upsets, everything that everybody looks forward to, what makes this country a much better place. That's March Madness. Very unpredictable. Uh, three weeks of sports, but how can you not love it? You see the passion yesterday, TJ, between uh, a Chris Beard and, and Auburn, and of course, uh, even more so, talking about a, a few other games as well. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm super excited, man. I don't think that surprises you. Yeah, at the time that we're taping, that Texas-Texas Tech game was something else in Lubbock, knockdown, drag-out type game. Uh, again, Auburn now with an 18-game win streak as we head to the weekend as the number one team in the country. All right, give me a thought on that, Mr. Tate's take. I was talking previous before you came on with Gary Seegers, who's based in the Mid-South with the Winning Cures Everything podcast. He's an Alabama guy, so he is hurting after the sweep by Auburn and 100 points put on Alabama. I put it to him. Is that a national championship caliber team from what you are seeing to this point? The record, the ranking would indicate yes. What does Tate's take have to say about that? I think it's more final four than anything it's hard to say not national championship contenders uh because nobody's doing what they're doing in college basketball right now in a year which you know you got so many teams where there's no clear cut number one in terms of you know who's the front runner to pretty much run away with this thing and win the national championship it looks like auburn but just something still just kind of tells me it's hard to believe it's still auburn on the front of their chest and i got a really good feeling i'm not the only one that thinks that way Nonetheless, uh, you know, for a guy like Bruce Pearl, who's done a marvelous job, big time payday, but uh, coming from a small school in Indiana, coaching Joe Tucker and them and company at uh, at uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Tennessee becomes the number one team in the country at one point. Now, for the first time ever, Auburn's the number one team not long off of Final Four. So it's hard to go against the things that he's been able to do. Got NBA talent on the roster as well. Uh, that makes a really, really huge difference in terms of teams that can make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. I just love the passion that he has. I mean, he's out there with the kids, the whole student section. He's sweating out of his suit. Looks like he's having a ton of fun out there. And that's what college basketball is all about. How about, how about Alabama being the team uh, that, you know, had a good year last year, high expectations coming in this year, JD Davison didn't even score a single point. One of the best freshmen in the country could be a potential lottery pick. Nate Oates, maybe some people were talking about from that Louisville job. He's clearly got a lot more work to do. Well, and I was just going to say, too, on that Louisville situation with the interim coach, Chris Mack is gone. Uh, this whole thing about the AD at Auburn giving Bruce Pearl the lifetime contract. I've been around this longer than you have. Whenever, whenever I see that, I roll my eyes and start immediately going, okay, what's the next job on the lifetime thing, whether it's the NBA or maybe it's Louisville. Are you in the camp with me that we will find out what lifetime means sooner or later with Bruce Pearl? And it may be soon with the Louisville, the Louisville gig. Uh, do you buy that, yeah. that whole I'm there for life? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, and outside of that, I, I'm not going to say that Louisville is necessarily the right job or the perfect fit. I get it. Him being in hot water, considering his history, Louisville being in piping, boiling hot water, considering their history. No, it probably sounds like a match made in heaven. 
but I think if they want to go elsewhere, I mean, there's going to be some other options out there. I think Ed Cooley from Providence could be a name that we could hear. Um, potentially, maybe even someone like... Um, I mean, the Louisville honestly, people, so... I will help you. The Louisville people oh. keep saying Kenny Payne, former player there. Kenny Payne. I do hear and a lot of Payne is Payne. an assistant now in the in the uh, I believe with the New York Knicks and the NBA. Uh, he's mm -hmm. been passed over previously when he was trying to get this job before. But there's a lot of Louisville sentiment for Kenny Payne. Sure. So that's kind of sure. interesting. Or do they want Who... the big time name? Who knows? It could be how, how much money has Andy Enfield stolen over the course of the last 10 years or so? He could be a potential, you know, candidate. I mean, and, he, and that's not going to be the only attractive job. We could be looking at Florida with Mike White, uh, maybe, you know, making a move. Uh, Missouri, who knows? I know you don't want to hear this earmuffs. OK, Penny Hardaway for yep. crying out loud at Memphis. Oh, yeah. That could be a job that's opening up. There's quite a few of them here, and I'm looking forward to seeing um what how th these things are going to shake out with these yeah, coaches the carousel, Some of these the high power schools yeah carousel's never dull that's for sure you're hearing the voice of deshaun tate hanging with me tate's take uh is the podcast and uh he's under tate's take hoops uh if you're looking for him on social media as well based out of atlanta you hear him on uh, the station there, 92.9, correct, the game. I got all that right. In Atlanta, you hear him on there as well as own, his own platform. He's a guest elsewhere. He's with me all the time on college basketball coast-to-coast -coast coverage for that show as well as Three Dog Thursday. All right, uh, a couple more before we get into Thursday and an, a, a very attractive UCLA-Arizona game where UCLA is the doggy, and I want Mr. Tate's take's opinion on that, and then I'll look ahead to a couple of Saturday games and what the underdog situations might be. Uh, give me another team or two. Uh, if, if it's not just Auburn, who else belongs in the national championship conversation? There's a couple of obvious ones, aren't there? Who, who are Deshaun's Tate's uh, obvious ones right now that belong in the conversation from what you've seen to this point uh, starting off February? Yeah, for me, it's going to be the team that I still, still feel very comfortable and confident uh, that I think will be playing for the national championship uh, in early April in the Big Easy. And that's the Duke Blue Devils. A lot of that, obviously, call me conspiracy theorist or whatever you want. Coach K on his way out, arguably or inarguably the best coach that this game has ever seen in terms of on the collegiate level. Um, but they're certainly going to be right there. And they have the players to be able to do it. But they don't look invincible either. Uh, I think another one of those teams that is going to, you know, be right there in the end, potentially for a Final Four, that's Kentucky. This isn't the newer age Kentucky that we might be used to. Uh, or have gotten accustomed to getting used to with all the, you know, freshmen and, you know, one and duns and so forth. They're a little bit older. They've got good shooters. We've seen the work that they've been able to uh, put together against other blue bloods like Kansas on the road, North Carolina on a neutral site. Uh, there's some there's some sneaky, scary ones in there. I think that we will see that can get into the uh, second round uh, or rather that be the second weekend, Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Uh, but I'm, I'll be honest with you, TJ, in a year like this, we usually say, oh, this team can make it to the Final Four, but this one can't. This one can't make it, but this one can't. I think 68-team bracket, almost anybody can make it at least to the Final Four this year, maybe not a national championship, but those are just a few of them. Uh, Gonzaga's obviously going to be right there in contention as well. Say, Although this he... guy, this guy does, this guy's not a believer, TJ. 
Well, you can be not a believer all you want. They got to the championship game last year, and they still got pieces back from that team, including uh, Timmy, including Nemhard, uh, the point guard, and Chet Holmgren is fantastic. You were telling me about Chet Holmgren uh, because, again, this guy does a great job covering the recruiting trail. You were telling me about Chet Holmgren like a year and a half ago, and now he's mm-hmm. landed there at Gonzaga, and we see the NBA caliber game, the long body, can handle it a little bit, can shoot it some from the outside at seven feet tall. So uh, how are they not a contender? I think they got to be a contender. Even if you don't believe for them to win the national title, I think they got to be a contender at this point. Okay, so that kind of morphs us into an underdog situation. UCLA, my goodness, are they coming on? Rematch game for Arizona at home, McHale Center, Tucson. This one is Thursday night as we release the podcast. Again, as I always say, Deshaun, you love this. If you're hearing us afterwards, you know how intelligent Deshaun sounded or how stupid I did after this is over with, if you're listening on Friday, Saturday for the games. So we understand that you may already know the result on Friday, Saturday. You obviously do know the result if you're still catching us on Three Dog Thursday. That being said, we don't know. The only thing we know is UCLA's catching six points here after they won a game by, what, 15-plus at home over Arizona at Pauley Pavilion. And they did that without Johnny Juzang, who was on the COVID list for that game. Am I crazy that the Bruins are getting too many points here as a as a defending uh, Final Four team as they were a year ago with the, with the pieces back, with Cody Riley back healthy. Uh, I know Arizona is very good at home. What, am I nuts to look at UCLA no. for Three Dog Thursday purposes? No, I don't think so. I mean, when you have everybody coming back from a year ago, deep bench, obviously a really good starting five guys with experience, guys like Tiger Campbell, who's still there, one of the best point guards in the country that can be able to lead a team and so forth and got really good players surrounding him. Um, I think the biggest key factor uh, and the elephant in the room as to why UCLA has looked so different, why they've set themselves apart for the most part on the West Coast, or at least within the Pac-12, is because they play such a much more physical brand. Uh, now than they did at one point in time. And, you know, that's obviously a testament to uh, to the head coach and what he's been able to put there, put together there and just kind of changing the culture a little bit, if you will. Arizona's good. Arizona's one of the best teams in the country. Now, when I say teams, I want to be very careful. They may not appear to be the most talented. You look at them on paper, you might just roll your eyes or whatever the case may be. But when you watch them play as a team, that's exactly what they do. The job that the coach has done there has even been phenomenal. And you start looking at some really good freshmen, uh, even Matherin, another really good player. They got some bigs there, some European guys that can mix it up a little bit, and they're not backing down. For so guys. they didn't have Tubeless, the, uh, one of those Europeans you're mentioning, in the game at Pauley mm-hmm. Pavilion. That's a big deal, too, in addition to being back at home in the rematch, to have That's him cool. back if he's back in there. And it looks like he will play in this game Thursday. That's a big factor, too, for Tommy Lloyd's team, the first-year coach. It is, you know, and and they're going to be rowdy in there in Tucson. Believe that. I mean, I've been well, – how long have we been sitting around? Forget about just maybe the DeAndre Aiden year and things like that. Just for a consistent team that these fans can believe in, they appear to have a different vibe, a different kind of energy between one another, and they've developed and established a really good chemistry between each other in a very short amount of time, especially when you think about the fact that the uh, head coach just got there as well. So it's going to be very interesting there in Tucson. They're going to be looking for a little bit of revenge. Uh, I think that it should definitely be exciting between the two teams who I think is the best ones in the Pac-12. 
We are loving the inside of Deshaun Tate. Again, find him at Tate's Take Hoops. Tate's Take is the podcast, wherever you get podcasts as well, on the college hoops and some NBA. He slants towards those Atlanta Hawks and their coverage, but all over the NBA, covering it, great guests, et cetera, along with the college basketball. Here is part of Three Dog Thursday. I have not mentioned to this second that he is a Sparty guy. Sparty kicked the daylights out of Michigan back on the weekend. So Deshaun is smiling ear to ear for those that cannot see him i was gonna say how did you guess it i know you've got that in the background of what you're seeing (laughs) what i'm seeing on the video and they also validated it they struggled at times but they went and won at maryland in a game that could have gone either way uh midweek so michigan state looking good in the big 10 purdue obviously is the team uh probably at the top of this conference but man you've got two or three other ones whether it be ohio state or wisconsin uh etc etc to watch out for in the big 10 um that is for sure for the games on the weekend. Plenty of time to talk about your Big Ten. I just I squeezed in your Sparty reference just for you, for Izzo and company, and they always seem to kick it into gear um, in, in March. That's for sure. Okay, you mentioned Coach K earlier. That's going to be the biggest uh, hyped game of Saturday. ESPN's College Game Day will be there for Duke at Carolina, the first of the two meetings uh, on the season. We don't have the lines as we release the Three Dog Thursday podcast, but I've done this enough now with the handicappers where I can make educated guesses. I would believe Carolina coming off that crazy overtime game back on Tuesday night with Louisville, where the officials were almost refing the overtime like three blind mice with the blindfolds on. What was that? And I'm no Louisville guy. I'm just saying that was uh, felonious almost, criminal, uh, the calls that were going against Louisville and technical fouls, et cetera. But anyway, Carolina won the game at Louisville. Duke, by the way, bopped Notre Dame at Notre Dame. That, that was after beating Louisville themselves on Saturday. All right, first meeting, Duke probably favored by like three or four. You may know that that line is close to right. You may know as we get to the weekend that that line's a little off. I believe the Blue Devils will be something like a three or four point favorite. Does it interest you at all if Carolina's getting three or four points to win that game outright with Duke in the first of two meetings uh, there at the Dean Dome? What say you, Deshaun? Yeah, I think this one is going to be a sweep, TJ, on the season, if I'm just being honest. I know that may just be the money line or whatever the case may be. Uh, I do expect for the game at Carolina to be a lot closer than whatever it's going to be when they get to Cameron Indoor. Um, the interesting part would be what, it, what's, what happens when it comes down to the rebounding battle. Duke, not one of the stronger rebounding teams in the country uh, this year, and just finding ways to let some of those smaller guards and, and, and wing guys get rebounds over some of their bigger players. I expect for, you know, very critical guys like, you know, uh, Theo John, a transfer from Marquette, to come in and impose his will. He's not a small fry by any stretch of the imagination. He's going to have to get some big-time playing time because, you know, North Carolina is a little bit of a bigger team, if you will, to an extent. However, uh, North Carolina was typically one of the best rebounding teams in the country, top offensive rebounding team in the country hasn't been rebounding it nearly as well as they have in the past either. Uh, although they've been shooting it a little bit better, more and more and defending a little bit more better each and every single game that's expected because the last couple of years, North Carolina hadn't done so good. And that's something that you got to assume that they will improve upon 
because Hubert Davis is the all-time uh, uh, three-point percentage shooter in, in the history of North Carolina. At Their biggest Hill. problem, so, though, isn't it, is defense. Defensively, they have been – they've uh, and now you got Duke with Bancaro and the weapons they have. Now, granted, the emotion at home, how big of an equalizer mm-hmm. will that be? Coach K's big last time. time in the Dean mm-hmm. Dome, what do you think? Big time, big time. I think it is. Anytime you look at rivalry games, I like to think you got to throw all numbers and you know all these other uh, all these other things out of the window. It's going to be about who wants it more. It's going to be extremely physical game. Emotions are going to be riding high. I'm almost kind of curious to wonder if Coach K is going to get a probably a first time ever standing ovation. Uh, in Chapel Hill. I'm even kind of interested to see what that that'll looks be, like. That'll be maybe 30 minutes before the game or even 15 minutes before the game. I was going to say, what's the over-under on that? They'll be booing the crap out of him by the time it's tip-off time because it's Duke Carolina. We know how that will go uh, yeah. with him announcing that. And we'll see, again, lots of coverage from ESPN, and rightfully so. They'll be there for the game day pregame show. That's a 6 Eastern time game, by the way, on ESPN leading into Kentucky, Alabama that we've already talked about here uh, on the podcast. Uh, let's see how that one goes. First of two meetings. The other one will come at Cameron right at the end of the regular season. And then maybe they meet one more time in the ACC tournament. Maybe, maybe not for that, uh, that great rivalry. It's, it's still amazing to Sean. I don't have it right in front of me, but they're almost dead even in wins and losses all time. Yes. And it's almost yeah. dead even on the score. The all time yes. score, score of like over a mm-hmm. hundred meetings is almost identical. It's an incredible rivalry, and it resumes uh, on Saturday. One more again. Gonzaga appears to be a freight train, but this is interesting. At the end of the regular season, they're going to play two or three prominent road games. One of those is Saturday night, Marriott Center at Provo, Utah, BYU hosting them again. We don't have the lines. At the time you and I are taping, we don't know what the line is going to be. We believe, I believe, educated guess, Gonzaga probably a five- or six-point favorite, especially with BYU slipping up and losing a game uh, last week as well coming into this one. So that being said, that's a hostile 18,000, 19,000-seat loud arena. BYU has been very good there, has upset Gonzaga before in that building in the history for whatever it's worth with the present players. That's going to be fun to watch as well. Saturday night, if you're a college hoop fan, do you give BYU a puncher's chance with that Gonzaga team at home? Maybe. A puncher's chance? Maybe but I'm not going to pick them to win this game. I just always felt like Gonzaga is going to run through the West coast conference this year with the kind of team that they have, if they want to do so, we start talking about guys like Nimhard, who's obviously playing a really big role for them. The starting point guard learned a lot, uh, teaming up with, uh, Suggs on last year. And Rossier Bolton, I think is probably going to be one of the most key and determining factors for this team. Guys like Chet Holmgren, if you're BYU, you got to go straight at him. You got to go right into his chest. Uh, and you got to put him in foul trouble. And even the same thing with Timmy, because this is also a Gonzaga team. While they do look good all across the board in their starting lineup, they're not going all that far down deep into the bench. If you can force them to, you know, put themselves in a position and put themselves in a situation and in a position to where they have to utilize their bench uh, a little bit more then I think that you might have a little bit better chance. But I don't think that BYU is that team that can force them to do that. 
Uh, and I think that um, Gonzaga's going to run away with this one. It'll be close at the half, and then I think it'll start to get a little out of hand on the What back about end. if Barcelo, the good guard forward, if he starts making a couple of early shots and they feed off the crowd? I mean, I saw it. I'm playing your song again with Sparty against Michigan. They began to make shots in the second half, and it's like Michigan said, okay, find the bus. Check, please. You kind of saw it with Texas as that first half unfolded on Tuesday night at Texas Tech with the crowd frothing all over them. They seem to will. I'm not saying it will happen. I have no allegiance to BYU. I'm saying it could happen where they get some shots going. The Gonzaga game is like a national championship game for them in Provo, in Provo on Saturday night. Maybe they make it more than competitive because of the crowd and feeding off the crowd. Or maybe Gonzaga does what Kentucky did to Kansas last Saturday and take the crowd completely out of the game early on, and it's never a factor. We got to find out. We got to watch and find out, right? I don't, I don't, we definitely do. You know, I have my eyes glued to the, super glued to the television. I just, I I don't see that one happening. Not only that, I don't think that Gonzaga is going to lose another game going into the tournament. I think that they'll ultimately be the number one overall. Am I saying that they're going to turn the Cougars into, you know, speaking of Provo, Provolone cheese? Probably not. Uh, (laughs) Nonetheless, I will say enough to say that I do think that they will come away uh, victorious. It'll be close to double digits. If it's single digits, I can't imagine it being by less than eight or nine points. Interesting. All right. For three dog Thursday purposes. And again, we don't know uh, the lines there necessarily on that. All right. Uh, We love the insight here on all things college hoops. And again, some slant towards the NBA promote away on everything for Tate's take, how they find you socially, the podcast, all of it. Plug away, my friend. All social media platforms at Tate's take hoops. That's T A T E S. T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, we like to call it, where basketball lives, the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. So everything basketball from the, you know, from the high school level, AAU, collegiate, professional, international, you know, sometimes we'll do some Special Olympic stuff if we have to. If the, if the, if the game was born on <laughs> December 1st, 1891 in Springfield, Massachusetts. We're going to talk it on our platform. So make sure you tell your take talk, make sure you tell your, 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 your mama, your grandmama and your baby mama where they can find it at. That's only at Tate's Take Hoops. You often repeat my line, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everybody about Tate's Take and find it wherever you get podcasts, especially as we start rolling towards March. Great insight here. 92-9 the game right in Atlanta. Uh, where you find Deshaun as well as a hoops analyst there, especially when we get around to the month of March. I always love the insight, my friend. We will do it again on Three Dog Thursday and all of our college hoop coverage uh, down the stretch of the season. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time. No, I appreciate you for having me. And it's always nice to be loved on the show. Appreciate you for having me, TJ. Much more loved than Chris Beard was when he was on the road on last night. And there we go. Love that man's insight. We'll bring him back in March as well. Tate's Take Hoops was where you find him on social media. Tate's Take the Podcast, wherever you get podcasts as well. 92.9 FM, the game in uh, Atlanta there as their college basketball analysts come March as well. Love to Sean Tate and what he had to say, especially those three games coming right in a row Saturday night. Depending on when you're hearing us on the podcast, again, look forward to Saturday night, Duke, Carolina, 6 Eastern time, followed by Kentucky, Alabama, right around 8 Eastern time in Tuscaloosa. How about the gauntlet for Alabama playing Baylor, Auburn, and Kentucky right in a row? 
nightmare schedule for Nate Oates' team. And then the 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain Time Zone game in Provo, Utah, with Gonzaga and BYU. I know Deshaun kind of poo-pooed my belief that BYU will hang in. Let's see. Let's see if they can hang in at the Marriott Center in Provo. Those three games right in a row with the college hoops. And the underdog situations, check those lines out. Our buddy uh, uh, Brian Edwards of VegasInsider.com that's always on this podcast, he'll be tweeting about the lines and the statuses of different players, etc. Check him out. Again, Gary Seegers uh, at GaryWCE for Winning Cures Everything on social media. Deshaun Tate at Tate's Take Hoops. All those guys will be tweeting this weekend about the college basketball. And one more time, we'll be much more about the college hoops. There's one football game left. It's Super Bowl 56 next Sunday. And I don't count the Pro Bowl with the two-hand touch stuff. We don't want to block. We don't want to tackle anymore. Enough of that. I know hockey's got the NHL All-Star game coming on Saturday. I get that. That's looming. But the College Hoops is going to rule the weekend and rule this podcast down the stretch uh, here in February and March. Look forward to all of that and look forward to that triple header as well. My thanks again to my guest, Gary Seegers, winningcureseverything.com, to Sean Tate, Takes Take, the podcast. For now, we are good. Here, a reminder one more time to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. My thanks to Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, Colby Dan, everybody with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. They help promote us. We are good. We're back next week to preview the Super Bowl. Much more Super Bowl 56 coming as part of Three Dog Thursday. For now, enjoy the college hoops in specific this weekend. We're back next week. Woof, woof on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.